Welcome to Calvary's small group curriculum for our eight-week fall teaching series, Calvary Next. This is the audio version of the video teaching for our small groups. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access the video, group discussion guide, and daily devotionals for each week. Now, here's session four. Session four, we're focusing on compassion with Pastor Jason McMaster and Brian Field, our missions pastor. So as we jump into Acts chapter six, let's key in on three parts of this passage. First, Luke points out in verse one that things are going great, right? He says, the number of disciples are increasing. But here he says, there's a problem in the church. And actually, if we go deeper, it's a significant problem. Second, he explains how the leadership of the church makes a decision to address the issue. And third, uh, we have a recorded outcome of their decision. Luke shares that there's two groups in Jerusalem. We have Hellenistic Jews and Hebraic Jews. And the problem specifically is that the widows who are Hellenistic Jews are being overlooked in their time of need by their church. But the question is, why are they being overlooked? There's a much deeper problem. This is not by accident. So in this context, we have women who were born outside of Judea, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Galilee. They're born and raised somewhere in the Roman Empire. They're learning Greek. They're learning all the customs of the Roman Empire. They're probably learning about different false gods, different things in that setting. And for various reasons, they find themselves moved back to Jerusalem. So we now have widows who are looking for their church to provide for them. It's really important that we unpack why the Hellenistic Jews are being overlooked. And it's because they're outsiders. They weren't born in Jerusalem. The Hebraic Jews were native born, native speakers. They know each other. And if they don't grow up together, know each other, at least they know the native language, the customs. And so for me, it was like when my family moved to Atlanta, I, I made the mistake sometimes of saying, hey, I'm from California. And for some people that was fantastic. For the majority of people that was strike one, two and almost three. I thought, man, we're all Americans. We're all Christians in this Christian setting. But I was an outsider from California. So what that did is it already created this mistrust, me coming in from the outside. So I totally get this. The Hebraic Jews probably never thought to themselves or said out loud, you know what, we're better than those Hellenistic Jews. I'm sure they never even spoke those words. But what probably happened was that they spoke behind their backs with a smile, and talked about all the things that they didn't like about the Hellenistic Jews or the things that they might've been suspicious of or justified in worrying that they might bring into the church. There might've been comments that were like, you know, those ladies don't even speak Aramaic. They need to learn Aramaic. Or those ladies don't value our traditions. They probably don't even know our traditions. They don't deserve this help. They're not even from here. That's ours. You know, they probably grew up in areas where they were teaching about false gods. We don't want that, those things coming into our church. We don't want that here. They should probably just go back to where they came from. Uh, that sounds familiar. We're talking though about widows. And these are widows in the church. Nine times in the Old Testament, everyone had already learned in the church to take care of widows. That was a key part of the instruction. These are widows in their own church who are being marginalized. They're being made to feel less than, made to feel like they don't belong, they don't deserve, that they don't measure up. The irony is the historians in this context talk about how the Hellenistic Jews were really passionate about the traditions of their faith and that the Hebraic Jews 
We're more like cultural Christians of today. So this is a mess. The massive blind spot in all of this is that the Hebraic Jews trying to protect the church from something that they weren't even sure they were justified in their position, making sure that something bad or evil doesn't come in, they themselves were actually sinning. They weren't demonstrating compassion. They're not modeling the servant nature of Christ. They're not offering love. They're not considering others better than themselves. This isn't a mistake. It wasn't like, whoops, our bad, we over overlooked you. They were purposefully not taking care of these widows. So what do the leaders do? They make a courageous decision to teach one half of the group to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. It's interesting because we, we still do this today. We tend to, at times, marginalize groups of people. And, and some people, no, no, I don't. Well, when my family moved to Atlanta, it was really blatant what we saw. Firsthand, we saw a white community and black community, and it went both ways, the unhealthiness, but it looked a little different. You know, whites never told me, hey, we're better than. They just assumed the worst narratives of the African-American community and I got to hear that firsthand. And when I talked to African-Americans, kind of the core of what their issues were, were mistrust and dislike of the white community. So we still had work to do. But let's just race aside. We size up groups based on our life experience, uh, somebody else's life experience, the news, maybe things that we read in books. We create our own narratives. We look at historical narratives. And we size up rich people and poor people. We size up hardworking people versus those who we think might be lazy. We size up people with accents, immigrants, legal and illegal. We, we size up different social issues, whether it's around sexuality, about lesbians, gays, straights, bisexuals, transgenders, or something as simple as young people versus old people and kids canceling us and saying, okay, boomer. I mean, we, it goes both ways. That's just a few. Jesus gave us a clear roadmap. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. He even clarified who our neighbor was in the Good Samaritan story, where the Good Samaritan was somebody that we really, really just don't like. And in this, love was not a noun. It wasn't like, hey, please have love for. He said to love. It's an action verb. In Romans 12, Paul writes, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And as I look at the church today, across the United States and the world, I really don't see that these are unprecedented times. Jesus modeled this to us. 
Jesus spent intentional time with the marginalized. He, on, he had compassion with those who had social lives that weren't in accordance with his word, and he spent a good portion of his time meeting them right where they were. Yes, he spends time with his disciples alone uh, in the word, alone in prayer, but he had little patience for those who had no compassion. He was pretty hard on the religious leaders of his day. He didn't seem preoccupied with the Roman Empire. He didn't command that they needed to you know, overthrow the Roman Empire and all their false teachings. He actually commanded to go and make disciples, to go and seek and save the lost. We look at verse 7 on how this passage ends. Yes, there was this division in the church that had marginalized people. The leadership stepped up, said, let's do something about it. And because they did something about it, verse 7 says, So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Same thing. Let's do it again. Jason, thank you so much for that. As you were talking about the different categories of people that we tend to overlook or have some prejudice against, I was just really struck that like, we tend to think that we don't, other people do, but that we don't. I was convicted even as I was listening to you on that. And I, I just wonder, like, how can we become more aware? I think part of compassion is when we begin to walk in the shoes of somebody mm -hmm. else if we're not finding ourselves doing that very often or not seeking to walk in the shoes of somebody else, then we, it might be a pretty good clue that we have yeah. some things going on. What's our heart posture toward those that are different than us, that look different, that vote different, that do all these things different? Is it is it one to, to draw the line or is it one to begin to seek understanding and to, to walk in their shoes for a minute? Yeah, that's and, right. and begin, I think in that process, you'll begin to discover what Mm -hmm. some of your biases, and, and also hopefully grow in your compassion. Yeah, like you said, being out of your own maybe comfort zone of here's the church I want to be at because we all think alike, or here's the club I'm in because we all think alike, or I watch, I watch news because that's what I want to hear. I think it's actually healthy to be with people who actually think differently so that you can be stretched. How, how would you even know to be stretched if you're not being stretched? And a lot of the people in small groups are a little bit older, so you know, there aren't a lot of kids in the group. So I think talking to kids is important. Sit down with a group of 16 to 18 year olds and just talk. Have a conversation if, you're available to that, if they're available to do that with you. I think it's really helpful and healthy to hear how do they think? Why do they think? Even if you completely disagree, that's not the point. Listen and hear where they're at. And I would say that's a true to everything that we're talking about here. Just where are they coming from? What's their life experience? I think we all can learn from that. Yeah, and actually the groups that actually have a lot more diversity within it, they actually have that richness built in because they think differently um, and then they get to learn from one hmm. another and develop that compassion, the walking each other's shoes hmm. sort of concept. I love how you put that. Um, so Brian, as our missions and outreach pastor, um, you know, we in our culture define compassion a bunch of different ways. Yep. Give us the definitive definition of compassion. Definitive. <laughs> yes. So Latin, uh, passio, compassion, passio mm. means to suffer mm. and calm is together. And so it's this idea of suffer together is compassion mm. is what that means. And I, I think that is means that as the body of Christ, even those in our community, that their suffering becomes our suffering, their their uh, burden becomes our burden. Their problem becomes my problem. Mm. And we don't like that very much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, within the, the confines of, of our community and our structured lives and our, our self-reliance and independence. Those things are what are valued in our culture. What I want to uh, 
cultivate, I think, within us is that heart, seeing it through a gospel lens that without Jesus, mm. that there's no hope, that there's brokenness, that there's uh, that people suffer and they're not living abundant life. And when we encounter that, we can see it through that lens. And just as Jesus had compassion, he said that because they were like sheep without a shepherd, mm -hmm. we can see through those same eyes with that same compassion, enter into it. And I think in that process, one, God gets to use us, but two, we, we discover our, our own brokenness yeah. and we actually encounter Jesus uh, within that, that space. I love your point about how we encounter Jesus when we stretch and extend compassion. And I know you have plenty of stories from your ministries around that. Could you share one with us? Sure, yeah. I, I mean, each Tuesday, we have our Outreach Tuesday ministry here, which is Fresh Market Food mm -hmm. Pantry, Angel Threads. It's a beautiful um, outreach to our community. We have many that come on, they're hurting and uh, in need. And so often I think we uh, we think, oh, they're in need. They have all the problems and yes. we're okay, right? But I was I sat Tuesday with a man who comes each week. He, he parks on the street, he gets out of his mm -hmm. car and he comes and he's constantly seeking to know more about scripture and the Bible. Mm. And he's asking me questions each week. Just yesterday we were talking and he said, uh, he, he was really, he thinks on these really hard, like deep levels about things. And he's like, the thing you said two weeks ago, God just unlocked it mm -hmm. for me on the drive home and everything I need to know I can find wow. in the word of God. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. In those moments, um, here's someone who's in need, who's who's an immigrant, who's lived uh, in, in the US for many years, but is, uh, more elderly mm -hmm. and kind of getting replaced in his work life and is in need and doesn't have family support and all these structures. I um, mean, you'd look at him and he's showing up each Tuesday and you'd think, what, is, mm -hmm. what does he have? But I think his hunger for God's word, his intimacy uh, to Jesus and really wanting to pursue him, once again, just showed me that um, what we can see is brokenness or mm -hmm. what we can see is in, in some moment, uh, uh, there's so many that who are far more dependent on God and hungry for his word uh, often than uh, a lot of us who are comfortable and, and self-sufficient. That's, that's a beautiful story. Jason, what about you? How have you seen compassion lived out? Um, if they're in ministry or in your personal life? Personal life, I was just thinking, you and I went to Westlake High together, and I was, I'm grateful that the Lord brought us together, but I'm really grateful that some of our closest friends, I was thinking of Ramin, and Ramin was from Afghanistan, and we played basketball every single day, and out on the court, we talked, and I got to hear how he fled his village after Russia rolled in attack helicopters, and he saw lots of his family members killed, and they fled all the way across Afghanistan to the United States. And here we were playing basketball, and I was mm -hmm. like, wow. I still remember where we were as an eighth grader, and it really <laughs> had an impact on my life. And Aditya, uh, in ninth grade, comes to Westlake brand new, and, and he was from India, and his family had a whole different faith. And same with Ramin, they had a different faith than us. And so here's these two Christian guys getting to be best friends with these guys. And I think the Lord did it on purpose to bring in uh, people in our lives that were so uniquely different than us and like molded us together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I love how the Lord does that in our lives. Yeah, yeah awesome. that's a great example relationally. 
Our church, um, even through Vision 2020, we were committed to giving 20% um, outside our walls mm -hmm. for outreach and for needs, other needs, right? And you were kind of involved with that very closely. I wonder, what would you say to people who are like, you know, I don't need to give or do anything personally, individually or as a family, because I give to Calvary and I've outsourced it to Brian and his team and others. And so that's right. taking care of it. Like, how would you respond to that? For sure. Well, one, I think uh, the giving piece is super important, and God is using the resources mm -hmm. from our church and this community in some just very significant ways. When we outsource, we miss the blessing of mm -hmm. what God would want to do in our own lives and how He would want to use us in the life of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think a, a lot of us can feel insecure about how's God going to use me. I, I don't know enough about scripture to teach Bible study. I don't know any of these sorts of things, but my encouragement would be to show up and step into that space mm -hmm. and yeah. in that process, begin to learn this, the, the life and the story of somebody else. I think for me, that's always what, what drives and deepens mm -hmm. my compassion in my life is when I begin to hear the stories of, of other people's yeah. lives. What are the obstacles to compassion? Obviously, you know, time is one. Mm -hmm. We, um, in our community, run very busy lives. What are some other obstacles that you've, you've heard or seen people um, that limit them from experiencing the blessing of serving? Well, I think it's inconvenient. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> I, real, that's think, real. <laughs> and, and, I, and I do believe that we just naturally wanna trend toward comfort and so uh, compassion can be inconvenient. Yeah. And messy. And messy. Right, it's and inconvenient, messy. it's uncomfortable, and oftentimes, yeah. whether we admit it or not, it's a little bit scary. It's the same reason we all sit in the back row versus the front row. We just tend to do what's the most comfortable. I would encourage anybody in a small group that hasn't worked with your team to say, how can I help? How can I serve? Where can I start? And just jump in. It's, it's a blast. And yeah, it's a little bit scary at first. It's the most rewarding, joyful experience ever. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, one other uh, obstacle that I've seen, I, I even just feel it creep up in my own heart at times, is my own biases mm -hmm. or my own judgments of what I'm believing to be true about the person that's yes. in need. Right. And then I become the judge and jury of whether they deserve mm -hmm. my help uh, or not, mm -hmm. based on if I feel like you know they've earned my compassion and mm. uh, on some level, I can feel that creep up at times. Whether yeah. it's a certain individual standing uh, on the corner with the sign, and do I approve of their sign? Do I approve <laughs> of you know right, right. their look? And even yeah. at times, somebody who might feel entitled or might. Mm -hmm feel not totally grateful, I have those things well up in me mm. that go, then you don't deserve Yeah, so how do you overcome right? that? I, I, I so appreciate your honesty on that. So how, um, how do you wrestle you with know, that? You know, I think I have to remind myself of that Jesus, one, Jesus died <laughs> for, for me, <laughs> who, and for this individual who, um, and that brokenness often isn't beautiful. So I think, checking those often in, in my own head and heart saying, Lord, let me just step into mm. situations that are uncomfortable. You manifested yourself under earth. You came down from the comforts of heaven and you ask us to go do the same thing, to show, mm -hmm. to show up 
and 90% of it is, I, I think, just simply showing up and saying, Lord, here I am, and how can you use me in this moment? How can I see this individual through your eyes? How can I understand my own brokenness? <laughs> that we, we're, we're, we're all broken um, and in need of Jesus, and, and that being the beginning place that we start from. So I know this is obvious, but why is compassion such a critical part of following Jesus? Yeah, this is what he modeled to us. This is what he commanded us to do. I mean, he said to love God and to love our neighbor. James 1.27 says for us to take care of the widows and orphans. We look at Romans 12 that I read earlier, and he talked about even feeding our enemy and giving them something to drink. I mean, these were things that we were commanded to do was to love and take care of the poor and the needy, the marginalized, the broken. There's so much brokenness this side of heaven. This is what he's commanded us to do. Yep. So it's an obedience. It is, and I think it's a part of his kingdom coming, and he's making all things new, and that he invites mm -hmm. us into that process to fall in his footsteps to see where there's brokenness that we can help become restorers uh, to make whole, and the joy and the abundant life that comes in that as we follow him into those broken places, into the dark places where we can become light. Uh, when you begin to feel the presence of God at work in and through you to reach into those places, you'll never feel more alive. Thank you for listening. Please go to calvarywestlake.org forward slash next to access additional resources.